I've known at least for a week that I wanted to preach from this passage of Scripture that took place exactly on this Sunday, the Sunday after the first day of the resurrection, which obviously we celebrated last Sunday. I want you to notice verse number 8, or verse number, excuse me, verse number 26, it talks about 8. It says, and after eight days again, every commentator that I read, and I read a number of them, every single one agrees that this day was the Sunday following Resurrection Sunday. But our text verse is really verse, and this passage of Scripture probably needs very little explanation because most everyone here is familiar with it. But our text verse is verse 24. The Bible says, but Thomas, one of the twelve, now one of the eleven, called Didymus, one of the, uh, was not with them when Jesus came. It's astounding to me that the Sunday that Jesus Christ rose from the grave, the first service ever, the most incredible miracle of all eternity, ever all eternity, the most important miracle of all, the, what Christianity hinges on, the resurrection of Christ. On the very first congregational service, there were ten. Ten people. I kind of hope that Jesus, if I could broker a, a deal, I can't, but if I could, if I could broker a deal, I would hope that the Lord Jesus would come in the rapture on the Sunday after Easter. <laughs> Sunday morning would be preferential for me. I'd love to see that happen. But we know Thomas, poor Thomas, for the last 2,000 years, we know him as Thomas. You gossips. <laughs> Thomas, Aramaic. If your name is Tom, it comes from the Aramaic. It means twin. Didymus is the Greek name, twin. And you've probably heard it said, but I don't know if Thomas was a twin. He had a twin that we never read about, maybe a boy, maybe a girl. Uh, he had a double. But every, there's a little bit of Thomas in all of us. And Thomas missed, of all the services to ever miss, he missed the service that Jesus Christ first appeared. What a service to miss. I, on purpose, a couple, three years ago, I told Sonny, I heard on the radio, it was very impromptu. I heard Gino Oriyama was going for his 900th win at uh, UConn with the UConn Lady Huskies at the Civic Center in downtown Hartford. I said, I'm going to that game. I'm not even a Gino Orema fan, but I said, if he's going to win his 900th game, I want to say I was there when he won his 900th game. And so we, Tuesday or Thursday night, whatever night it was, I can't even tell you who they played. I don't even remember. They blew out somebody. But I was there for the 900th game of the win of Gino Orema and college girls basketball. I wanted to be there because I thought it was important. For all eternity, I don't know if it's going to work this way, but you know, the names of the 12 disciples, the Bible says, are going to be in the walls of the New Jerusalem forever and ever and ever. For all eternity, there's going to be but just 10 men that were there when Jesus first appeared. But Thomas missed that service. I want to talk about this morning, in the moments that we have this morning, what happens when you miss Jesus. Thomas missed Jesus. Well, I want to talk about for a moment here, for a few minutes here this morning here, Thomas the powder. 
not P-O-W-D-E-R, but Thomas the Potter, P-O-U-T-E-R. Thomas the Weeper, the Crier, the, the, the one that was having a bad day, Thomas the Potter. I asked you the question in reference to Thomas the Potter, why did Thomas, the Bible specifically tells us, verse 24, that Thomas was not with them when Jesus came. Why did Thomas miss church? Well, let me ask you a question. Why do you miss church? The answers could be myriad. Now, I'm going to argue from the point of what's called, the I'm going to make an argument from absence. The Bible does not tell us why Thomas missed Jesus. We're left to conjecture. We're left to guess. So I'm free to guess. You're free to guess. I got some D's going here. But letter A, maybe, maybe, and I'm, I'm using the postulate, maybe the possibility, maybe not a proof. I admit to you, I don't know why Thomas really, can you imagine if heaven works this way, that for all the billions of people that, uh, that will be in heaven, if everybody gets asked Thomas sometime during eternity, Thomas, why did you miss that service, that first service? Aren't you glad nobody's going to ask you in heaven? I, don't know, I hope not, anyhow. Why did you miss your service, a certain service? I don't know if it's going to work that way, but maybe Thomas, why did he miss Jesus? Maybe he was disillusioned, big D word disillusioned. You know, even the best can become disillusioned. Matthew chapter 11 and verse number 3, speaking about John the Baptist, who Jesus said, among them that are born women, there is not risen a greater than John the Baptist. Of every man that's ever been born, there's never been a man greater than John the Baptist. Jesus Christ said that. And yet when he was in prison, getting ready to lose his head, he sent one of his disciples to Jesus and he said, art thou he that should come or do we look for another? Even the greatest man that was ever born among women, J the B, I call him, he got disillusioned. He started to doubt about Jesus. He said, are you the Messiah or do we look for another? He was disillusioned. Maybe like John the Baptist, maybe Thomas, maybe not only, it's, not my, it's all under D, by the way, I got a whole bunch of other Ds that don't make the list. But when I think of disillusion, maybe he got depressed. You ever get depressed? Don't lie about it. Yeah, we all, if we've lived any length of time, the depression is a real, real thing. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 16, speaking about Thomas, when Jesus said in the previous verses, he said, I'm going to go to Jerusalem, I'm going to die in Jerusalem, the third day I'm going to rise again. The disciples, the first part just went through their head, but the second part was absent from them. And Thomas was the one that says, well, let us go to Jerusalem, and I'm paraphrasing, and he says, and die with him. Eeyore, Mr. Depression, Mr. If he's going to go die, I guess I'll go die with him. The, the, dis, disillusioned, disappointed, depressed. Maybe feelings of defeat. Pastor Parmar mentioned in the Sunday school class this morning, he stole one of my verses. Revelation 12, verse 9. The Bible says that Satan, he's the accuser of the brethren. Now, I don't know about you, but did Satan ever come and whisper in your ear and defeat you? Say, you're a loser. You, uh... You, uh, you get depressed, you get disillusioned, you're fickle, you get disappointed. Maybe Thomas, I'm just conjecturing now, maybe Thomas missed that Sunday night service because he was disillusioned. Maybe, let her be on our worksheet, maybe he was disinterested. I find this one a little harder to believe than others, but uh, than other points I have, but 
Mark 4, 19. By the way, I made up these points just for the record here. So if you don't like them, you can blame me on this one here. But I'm just, I'm just guessing. I just started to guess. Why did Thomas miss the service? Why did he miss Jesus? And, and uh, maybe he was disinterested. The Bible says, Mark 4, 19. And the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the lust of other things entering in choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. Uh, we can get uh, disinterested. We can get uh, I, was, I was traveling down to uh, a wedding in Seymour yesterday. Pastor John Lafreniere got married for the second time. His first wife, many of you know, died two or three years ago. Yesterday, he tied the knot again in Seymour. And I went down to it. And, uh, you know, most of you know I'm a radio junkie. I don't ever listen to ra- music, hardly ever, I, unless it's a Christian radio. I usually listen to talk radio. And on Saturdays, they have all these wealth enhancement to these, uh, these shows on the radio on how to broker your retirement. And to me, I listen to it, and no matter how much money you might have, retirement zero or a million dollars, you never have enough. And you always say, oh, I got to do more. And I was listening to this, and I said, oh, I should probably, I should probably take heed to some of these things they're saying, but it's like, oh, I'll wait till next week to take care of it. But it starts to, my mind gets on other things other than things of God. Maybe Thomas got disinterested in the things of God. Maybe, and just all underneath disinterested, you know, sometimes we get, you ever get tired? We all get tired. Somebody was apologizing to me the other day for a couple of weeks ago about sleeping when I was preaching. I said, hey, this, I put the best of them to sleep. If you, if you fall asleep on me, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm half the, the, you know, I, I get half the blessing out of that thing here for getting some good shut-eye into the house of God, I guess, I don't know. But how many millions of Christians, let me get serious for a moment, are not in church today because they're too tired? You know, I got a remedy for that. Go to bed earlier on Saturday night, amen? That might wreck, that might, but you know, I worked all week long and Saturday, so Sunday's the only day I have to rest. Maybe he was too tired. Maybe he was too busy. Maybe he had other things to do. By the way, I get it, and let me just undo my point here for just a moment, my sub-point on being too busy. We live in a busy day. And I know a lot of you are busy. Some of you work 50, 60, 70 hours a week. I understand that. You got a family to take care of. You got a lawn to mow. You got uh, houses to take care of. You got things to do. I get it. And you got relatives on top of that. You're busy. We get busy in life, don't we? Maybe Thomas just got busy. He was disinterested. Somebody said this morning, and I always give a pass. If I get hard on you, I don't want to do that. Not on this, this point, but, you know, somebody said, well, they, certain somebody had somebody else saying something that had, they had to take care of this today so they couldn't be in church, but how about using this for a line sometime? Sorry, I can't make it to whatever the event is. I've got church. How about maybe, just maybe thinking, maybe, just maybe, can I preach a little, can I dig this a little bit? Maybe Matthew 6, 36, maybe, maybe you want to seek first the kingdom of God. Boy, it's quiet. Okay, I'll get off that point. I don't want you to be mad at me. Why did Thomas miss? Maybe he's disillusioned. Maybe he's disinterested. Maybe too busy, too tired. Who knows what? Maybe he was distracted. Let her see. No man can serve two masters. For either will hate the one and love the other, or hold the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. We have... Dozens of Christians, I'm sure, today, members of Harvest Baptist, listen, they're, they're distracted. They're working today. 
Somebody's got to work on Sunday, right? Yeah. They're distracted. Maybe he had a job. Maybe he had a side job. I'm not, I'm just, I'm not saying good, bad. I'm just, maybe he had a side job. He got the memo, church tonight. Didn't care or didn't, he was distracted. Maybe innocently, but he was distracted. How about letter D here? This is a, this is a very pertinent one. Did you ever think that maybe he, maybe he was dreary? Maybe the weather was bad. You know, we've had some pretty lousy Sundays. It's not too hot out there right now, is it? <laughs> I kind of like, do you don't assist, are you a little bit more cheery when it's sunshiny out than it is when it's rainy? Did you notice that? Uh, I, I, pardon me, I just popped in my head to give an illustration. I remember leaving Newark Airport uh, 10 years ago and we were flying to Hawaii to see the kids. And I was sick as a dog. I was, I had my proverbial yearly, yearly cold. I was cold. As, and we landed in Oahu, Honolulu. And I got out, and I never had a desire to go to Hawaii. But the door opened to the, and they, 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 they take you out, not like the, they didn't have the gate, they had the, 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 the yeah, the stairway, you know. And they open up the door. And you that have been in Hawaii, you know what I'm talking about. Now, if you haven't been to Hawaii, you don't know what I'm talking about. But I open the door and, I understand. Revelation, I never realized, but it was, and my cold went away, no joke. About a day and a half, my cold was healed. I was like in the pneumonia stage, practically. Just that beautiful 80-degree weather, that beautiful breeze, just something about, maybe, maybe Mary Hart that's good like a medicine, the Bible says, but a broken spirit dries the bones. I was healed up in no time at all. Maybe Thomas got dreary. The Bible says, Psalm, Proverbs 24, 14, without faint in the day of adversity, thy strength is small. I mean, the weather gets bad. It was hailing yesterday afternoon. Did you see this? We're almost in May. It's April, and, and I'm tired of it. Glad it's not hailing now, but give it a few minutes. It may hail, you know. I don't know. Maybe he missed, I mean, he could have missed, it was springtime after all. Maybe Thomas missed conjecture from the weather. Maybe it was a lousy day and he says, it's been a tough night to come out. He says, I just don't want to go. I don't know. Letter E. Maybe Thomas was disgusted. Maybe he was upset with the brethren. Remember that guy named Pete? We call him Peter. Now, we might have called him, if we were in the same church he was in, we might have called him Loudmouth Peter, Big Mouth Peter. You know, Mr. Jawflapper, Mr. Self-Righteous, Mr. Superstar. I'll never leave you. All these guys leave you. I'll never leave you. Remember the story just a few days earlier. Peter opened mouth and third foot. That Peter. Maybe Thomas got disgusted with the hypocrites. Ever get disgusted with the hypocrites in church? Listen, we've had certainly scores and scores and scores and probably maybe hundreds over the course of 33 years now, 33 plus years, that have left our church because Harvest Baptist Church is full of hypocrites and the biggest one is behind the pulpit. Let's be honest. Peter was a dirty, rotten, filthy sinner and Thomas maybe looked at him and said, he's a sinner. I was at that wedding yesterday, and there was a who was, who's who's of preachers in Connecticut and New England and so forth. A lot of preachers were there, and a lot of, I saw a lot of members of Big Wedding. 
There were members, so I said, oh, I know that family. They're from so-and-so. So, oh, no, they used to be from so-and-so. So, no, they were, they, they're at this church and that church and this. Now they're at this church. They can't find a perfect church. And maybe Thomas just got fed up with the church that Jesus began to build those first 10. And he says, you know what? If Pete's going to be there, if James and John, you know, the ones who want to sit on the right hand of Jesus, if they're going to be there, those, those uh, showboats, those, uh, those inner circle guys, I'm out of here. That could happen, couldn't it? Maybe, maybe in our text, back to chapter 21, just glance at verse number three. Maybe Thomas, maybe, now this has never happened to you, I'm sure, but maybe Thomas just got, maybe he didn't show up for this service. Maybe he didn't see Jesus because he missed Jesus because he was just flat out defiant. I'm not going to go. Psalm, or rather, chapter 21, verse three Simon Peter saith unto him, I go a-fishing. Think about this for just a minute here. Let's get the context. Understand what took place. They just saw their Savior crucified. Three days later, they see the resurrected Savior rise again from the grave. Eight days later, he appears to them again. He breathes on them the Holy Ghost. I'm getting ahead in the chapter. They're filled with joy And a few days after that, Peter says, I'm out of here. I'm heading back 90 miles back to Galilee. I'm going to go fishing. Look at verse number 2 of chapter 21. Notice the first guys that go with him. Then there were together Peter and Thomas called Didymus. Thomas said, I'm going too. With a guy he maybe didn't like just a few days earlier. Defiant. I'm not going. Maybe Thomas missed Jesus because he was just defiant. I don't care if uh, they want me at that meeting or not. I'm not going. Maybe he was, and this might be one of the, I might, might get close to the bullseye here on letter G. Maybe, just maybe, Thomas was just flat out, just simply disobedient. Our text verse for the years, of course, is Hebrews 10.25 not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together as a matter of some of us, but exhorting one another so much more as you didn't see the day approaching. But verse 23 reminds us, let us hold fast our profession without wavering, for he that is faithful is promised, he that is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another and provoke unto love and to good works. You know what I'm doing right now? I'm provoking you. I'm stirring the pot right now on purpose. I'm provoking you. I'm stirring you up to love and to good works, to not forsake the assembly of yourselves together. But some will willfully do so, Hebrews 10.26, for if we sin willfully, and by the way, the more we know, the more we sin willfully. Therefore, the name of the to do good and do it not to him to sin. Do you think that Thomas might have heard Sunday afternoon, early Sunday afternoon, Sunday morning, late Sunday morning, for the two disciples on the Maze Road, maybe from Peter, maybe from Mary, 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 Mary Magdalene, or Mary the other Mary? One of the women, maybe the word was getting shouted abroad. We saw this risen Savior. He's alive. Come to the meeting tonight. We don't know. But maybe, maybe he heard the news and he was just flat out disobedient. Maybe he was just, did you ever just become downright sinful? I give you three words. It's a dangerous point when a Christian gets to this point where they, 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 they utter three words, maybe not verbally, but in their heart. I don't care. I don't care. 
disobedient. Well, we know this because his name is tagged with it. Thomas the Potter, maybe, maybe he became letter H doubtful. Maybe he had faith one minute and doubt the next minute. We see that in the text, of course. The Bible says, he, James 1, 6, but let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavers is like the wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. And James 1, 8 says, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. I don't know about you, but sometimes I feel like I'm a double of, Tim, of Thomas. Because sometimes I can be so full of faith. Sometimes I can be so faithless and so doubting. And doubting oftentimes will lead to, number one, denial. Peter, in Matthew 26, verse 74, the Bible records... Just hours earlier, remember, he's the one that says, though all these forsake you, I'll never forsake you. You know the story. But then that cock, he, he, the Bible says he cursed and he swore. And he said, I, knew not, I know not the man. Speaking about Jesus. How many times have we been guilty of denying Jesus? Confessing we don't know him. Not witnessing when we should. And oh, I think about those many times I've had opportunity to witness and have passed it by. I'm embarrassed to think about it. Denial. Peter denied the Lord with a curse. He said, I don't know, not the man. And then the cock crew, and John records the words, and Peter went out and wept bitterly. Peter was ashamed. Maybe Thomas was ashamed. He became doubtful and he became ashamed. If you're not careful, that denial will lead to deviance. Deviance, evil. The Bible says in Hebrews 3.12, Take heed, brethren, lest any, there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. And uh, evil heart, the root of bitterness is the root of all evil. We'll touch on that tonight here in our message this evening at 6 p.m. But this doubtfulness leads many times to denial, which leads to deviance, which ultimately leads to the, to the devil. And I didn't on purpose didn't have a verse on purpose, but I want you to consider the, the natural conclusion. Christians can never lose their salvation. But I know many a Christian. I believe I'm not an Arminian. I'm a Calvinist. I'm a, I don't like to use that phrase either, but I, I believe that in eternal security. I believe that salvation is all by grace. And you can never lose your salvation. And there will be Christians that will go to heaven that will die in a backslidden state. I know several of them. I know many, 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 many of them, they're not saved, some of them. But I think there's some Christians, I can think of some that are walking. They've earthly, they're like 1 Corinthians 9, 27. They're an earthly castaway. They, they have earthly... Uh, defaulted. They're in a complete earthly defeat. And it all started because they missed Jesus. I don't know. Maybe I didn't hit the exact bullseye with Thomas. I dare say there's many more, but Thomas was the potter. And we asked the question, why did he miss Jesus? It's the greatest service, the first service of the Christian church, if you will. Some would contest that, and I'm not sure about that myself. Some say Pentecost, but that's another story another day. 
But I want you to know that we think about Thomas the Potter, but then we think about his namesake that we've called him for the last 2,000 years, Thomas the Doubter. What did Thomas miss? Look at verse 25 again. The other disciples therefore said unto him, We have seen the Lord, but he said unto them, Except I see in his hands the print of the nails, and put my finger in the print of the nails, and thrust my hand into his side, he made the conditions. I will not believe. Notice Thomas the doubter. What did he miss? Well, back to 19, we see the first thing he missed. The Bible says, Then the same day at evening, being the first day, that's Sunday in case you don't know, the first day of the week, when the disciples, or when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, notice what happens. Then came Jesus. And notice what it says, and stood in the midst. Stood in the midst. In Revelation 2, 2, 1, if you want to cross-reference verse, the Bible says that he standeth in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. Kurt, you're in the right spot right there. You want to be right next to Jesus, I know. Because I want you to know that the way I look at this auditorium, Jesus is sitting right next to you, right to your right-hand side, so dead center. You see him? He's right there. Do you see him? The Bible says that Jesus is in the midst of us. Now, I know I'm having a little bit of fun, but I'm dead serious. He's right here right now. He's in my heart. He's in our congregation. Right now, I've said it many times, there's far more people than we only have about whatever we have, 90 or 100, whatever we have here this morning. But there's far more than 100 people in this room. Jesus is in their midst. The angels of heaven are in their midst. I think there's some demons floating around too. Oh yeah. But Jesus is in the middle of it. And he missed the presence. He stood, and the Bible says he stood in the midst of them. I mean, what a privilege. Every day, to come to the house of God and knowing that Jesus said, where two or three are gathered together in my, in my name, there I am in the midst. Jesus died for the local church. He died for the church. He died for the bride. He's in their midst right now. He missed. What did he miss? Well, one thing he missed, he missed his, the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. Have you ever been to a service where, you know, you just came out of pure uh, obedience or pure just out of duty, didn't really want to come, and Jesus showed up? Well, that happens. Maybe he said, oh, I can miss this service. It doesn't matter. He missed a week of his presence. Why they were, the letter B, look at verse 21, let me give you the second thing he missed. Verse 19, the latter part of the verse, he stood in the midst and said unto them, peace be unto you. Again, in verse 20, 21, he said, then says Jesus unto them again, peace be unto you. Go down to verse number 26, the last part of the phrase of the verse. And stood in the midst and said, peace be unto you. Notice he missed a week of peace. Three times he came in the very first word. Jesus said to his cowering disciples that were in fear of the Jews, the ones that all left him and betrayed, betrayed and forsook him and were at the cross, he said, peace be unto you. If I were Jesus, I probably would have said, shame on you. But Jesus said, peace be unto you. By the way, and let me preach on myself for a moment. Preachers, sometimes we have a tendency to shame people. Sometimes we have a tendency to talk down to people. 
Shame on you for not serving the Lord. Shame on you for not coming to church. Shame on you for not being there in the Lord's hour of his greatest need. No. Jesus said, peace be unto you. Peace be unto you. We serve the Prince of Peace. He's the God of peace. His city is the city of peace. He's the Prince of Peace. He says, that's peace of God. That's salvation. No longer an enmity with God. There's peace with God. And there's a peace that passes understanding. Disciples, for a week, they had peace, but Thomas had no peace because he missed the meaning that Jesus was at. They saw his presence for a week. They were thrilled. And it leads me to verse number 22, the third thing that he definitely missed, that Thomas missed for not being when Jesus showed up. Verse 22, and when he had said this, he breathed on them and saith unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost, a week of power. They missed a week of, he missed a week of power. Receive the Holy Ghost. The Bible says that the church, Matthew chapter 16, verse 19, that we have the keys to the kingdom of heaven. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 28, Jesus said, all power is given unto me. Go ye therefore. That word power is the word exousia. It's the word means all authority is given unto me. Then Jesus, before he ascended up into heaven, he says, all power uh, and by you shall receive power. That's the word dunamis. That's the word we get our word dynamite from. We got dynamite power. We got authority power. We got Holy Spirit power. He breathed on them the Holy Spirit, the Bible says. A week of power. Jesus would say before his betrayal, on the night of his betrayal, he would say, In greater work shall you do because I go unto my Father, and I'll send you into comfort, and he may abide with you forever. Thomas missed a week of power. He didn't get the Holy Spirit breathed on him at that time. He missed a week of peace. He missed a week of his presence. Fourthly, verse 23, Whosoever sins ye remit, they shall be remitted unto them. Whosoever sins ye retain, they shall be retained. He missed a week of planting or a week of ministry. We are, somebody said, it seems like this morning already, and I already forgot, but maybe it was last night in the Palmer's house. Christ has no hands but our hands, no feet but our feet. Miracle, mystery, and all mysteries. God uses his creation many times. He doesn't have to. He's not obligated to by any means. But miraculously, many times he uses, Peter is going to preach, for example, just a few days after this event, 40 days after this event, he's going to preach at Pentecost and 3,000 are going to get saved. It's never recorded of Jesus Christ. They led 3,000 who came to know Christ as Savior. But the Bible says so. He breathes on them the Holy Spirit. He says, whoever sins you remit, they should be remitted. Whoever sins you don't remit, they won't be remitted. There's a week of planting, a week of ministry. The disciples were busy about doing the ministry, but Thomas was still pouting, still doubting. Then there's a week, verse number 20, notice what it says. And when they had said, when he had so said, he showed them his hands and his side. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. There was a week of praise, a week of joy. First Peter, the Bible tells us there's joy unspeakable and full of glory. A week of joy. I serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. I know that he is living no matter, no matter what men may say. I see his hand of mercy. I hear his voice of cheer. And just the time I need him, he's always near. He lives. He lives. Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me. 
and talks with me. How's it go? I really can't remember. A long life's every narrow way. Something like that. Yeah, we should sing it, I guess. A word of praise. But then I want you to notice verse 25. Thomas said, I won't believe unless I see. He said, if I see the prints and the nails of his hands. And he said, he said these words. Except I see his hands and the print of the nails and put my finger in the print of the nails. Uh, and thrust my hand into his side. I notice the language. I will not believe. He didn't say, I cannot believe. He said, I will not believe. He missed a week of proof. A week of proof. Uh, many people, they, they cannot believe. They don't have enough fact or enough, enough Bible or enough knowledge to believe. But many people, after they hear the word of God, they will not believe. Everybody has faith, but the question is faith in what? Believe on my terms. We saw the movie Friday night. Many of us saw the movie, uh, what's the name of the movie? The Case for Christ. Lee Strobel, the Chicago Tribune editorialist or the journalist. It wasn't that he couldn't believe. It got to the point where he would not believe. God had to change his heart. He chose... He chose to be a doubter, no matter what, no matter how much proof it was going to take to you for you to believe. So we see Thomas the, the powder, Thomas the doubter. But then notice verse number 27, verse 26. And, the, and after eight days again, his disciples were within, and Thomas with them. Then came Jesus. Aren't you glad he comes again? The doors being shut, stood in the midst and said, Peace be unto you. And then directed towards Thomas, he saith unto Thomas, verse 27, Reach hither thy finger, and behold my hands. Reach hither my hand, thy hand, and be thrust it into my side, and be not faithless, but believing. I want you to notice verse 28. We saw Thomas the powder, Thomas the, the doubter, but now notice Thomas the shouter. Thomas answered and said unto him, and I don't know this for a fact, but I think I, I, this Marty shot conjecture, and I'm pretty sure I'm going to be right when we get to heaven about it. I think Thomas fell to his... takes me a while to go on my knees nowadays. Okay. For you over there, I'm on my knees, just so you know. I think he fell to his knees, and I think he said in a shout of praise, My Lord and my God. I want you to notice he shouted a couple things. He shouted, first of all, Christ's deity. Many verses, I have a number of them. I'm trying to end on early this morning. Ha, ha, ha. John 1.34, John the Baptist saw and bare record that this is the Son of God. John 1.49, Nathaniel answered and said, Rabbi, thou son of, son of God, thou art the King of Israel. Jesus himself said in John 5, 25, Verily, verily, I say unto you, the hour is coming and now is when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God and they, shall, they that shall hear shall live. Peter said in John six sixty nine, And we believe and are sure that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Martha said at her brother's 
tomb that was going to be unoccupied in moments. John eleven twenty seven. she saith unto him, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, who should come into the world. John encapsulates all the deity, the belief in the deity of Christ in 1 John chapter 5 and verse number 20. And we know that the Son of God has come and hath given us an understanding that we may know him that is true and that we are in him that is true even in his Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. Christ's deity. Thomas shouted his deity. The Mormons shout something different. The Jehovah's Witnesses shout something different. They say, oh, he was a created being. He's a son of God. Like, we're sons of God. But he's more than the son of God. He's God the son. And Thomas fell down and he said, my Lord and my God. But he didn't say, not only did Thomas, well, I want you to notice what he didn't miss when he shouted. He didn't miss the fact that Jesus was God. And he didn't miss, secondly, he said, my Lord and my God. He said, my Lord. I want you to know that he, there was confession and decision we were talking about it last night again at the Parmars. We had a beautiful couples banquet. We are talking about St. Thomas. They had a map in their house there of the India. And 2,000 years ago, St. Thomas went to India, southern India. They had to this day the church of St. Thomas. For 2,000 years, yes, there's a, nearly over a billion people in, in India, India. Nearly a billion of them are or Hindu, rather. But there's millions of Christians in India today. They're having revival. Pastor Parmar was telling us about it just last night, as a matter of fact. People are getting saved in India. We never hear about it. Never, it doesn't make CNN for some reason. It doesn't make the, 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 the news media for some reason. I don't understand why. People are getting saved. Thomas went there 2,000 years ago. And he said, not only are you my God, but you are my Lord. And he's going to give his life as a martyr. He's going to plant the seed of the gospel in India. And 2,000 years later, they're still reaping the fruit thereof. Leads me to three questions about Thomas the powder, Thomas the doubter, Thomas the shouter. Question number one, have you believed? And I, this is what I think in this room. I mean, it's pretty easy to go through the whole audience this morning. I think everybody in this room believes in Jesus Christ up here. I'll go a step further. You believe that Jesus died on the cross and he was buried and rose again the third day. If you really believe that, say amen. amen. I think that was everybody. I'm not sure. Maybe not. But it's difference between believing and receiving. Have you received the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior? Jesus said you must be born again. Jesus said that. I didn't say it. The Apostle Paul said, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Have you believed and received Christ? Question number two. You that have believed and already received Christ, are you, however, currently pouting and doubting? Are you pouting and doubting? Hey, the fact is, Jesus is alive. The fact is, this too shall pass. In the dreary days, think about this in heaven. There will be no dreary day in heaven. Sorry, no rain in heaven. No hail in heaven. Hallelujah for that. <laughs> no weather changes and uh, it's going to be beautiful every day, all day for the one day of eternity forever and ever and ever. And Christ, is no need of the sun because Christ is going to be, be there. There'll be no pouting, no more sickness, no more crying, no more sorrow, no more death. 
No more doubting, for we shall see him as he is. That leads me to the third type of Thomas. We've all been like doubting or pouting Thomas, haven't we? Maybe you're currently in that condition. Maybe you're doubting, but maybe you're shouting. <laughs> kind of miss Brother Ray not being here. I like when he gets revved up during the choir specials. Amen! He starts waving his hand to his, you know. I like that. It's like he's been, he's been exposed to too much southern preaching. He likes that. He brought it up here north with us. I'm glad he did. I ask you a third bullet point. Are you praising him? And why did, when did Thomas start praising him and stop pouting and stop doubting? When he looked on him. Because we're look, when, we, when you see him, because you are looking on him, you praise him when you see him. It's a silly jingle and it's a stupid way to end a message, I, I admit. But I'm trying, I always try to think of a good illustration to end a message with. Remember the little jingle on, on you people that are about the old, uh, as old as I am? Things go better with Coca-Cola. Things go better with Coke. Don't you want me to sing that for you? I know you do. Things go better with Jesus Christ. Things go better with Christ. They really do. The Bible says that we should turn our eyes upon Jesus, look full in this wonderful face, and things of earth will go strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Thomas took his eyes off Jesus for a little while and he began to pout, deny and doubt and a whole bunch of things happened and he missed a week of power and a week of pre- his presence and a week of peace all because he missed being with Christ. I'm glad you chose to be with Christ. He's right in the midst of us this morning. This bow for prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Lord, bless your people. Lord, we know faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Thank you, Lord, that we were here on the Sunday after Resurrection Sunday to hear the message. Lord, may we cease from pouting, cease from doubting. Lord, may we, as we ponder Jesus and we see his face and see him on the cross and see him resurrected, may we begin our shouting. Only one day we'll praise and shout for all eternity. Worthy is the Lamb. Pray bless in our moments of invitation, Lord. May we get back to praising instead of pouting. May we get back to believing instead of doubting. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. As we stand 160, it is in the hymn book. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Because in that first verse, you'd like to come to